Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. Well, since I and my family are headed out tomorrow, and you'll hear more about that later on in the service, I thought that before I start my sermon, I want to address some drama that's been looming on in the life of the church that many of you are unaware of, though some of you are very aware of it. You'll remember when Bishop Allen stood here about a month and a half ago, and he exposed a reality in the life of our church, that he made a bet with my wife, and he lost that bet at a staff retreat for $100. Then, in front of you all, he bet me double or nothing he could keep his sermon under 10 minutes while spending seven minutes talking about that. (laughs) And he lost. So, AK, if you brought the checkbook, it's $200. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for laughter and humor and for money. Thank you for... Thank you for this church, Lord, for the ways in which you work in and through us to bless all of us. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for who you are and all that you are, for how you move in the story of our lives. Lord, I pray that you would be with us, that you would bless us this day, not only in the preaching through your word, but through your sacrament, Lord, that you would indeed bless us. Lord, we pray that as we listen and attend the ears of our hearts to your holy word, that you would speak to us as we've just sung. Amen. So there's a popular expression that has been regularly applied to the person of Jesus Christ, that he comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. This was true for Jesus's original audience, and it continues to be so for us today especially those who would consider themselves followers of Jesus then and now. So people often enthusiastically embrace some of Jesus' teachings while unfortunately rejecting the others. Indeed, his earlier followers sensed this challenge as well, for they said on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who, who can accept it? John six sixty. In our gospel lesson this morning, Luke 13, verses 22 through 30, we encounter what some have considered one of those hard teachings of Jesus Christ. Jesus is well into his journey to Jerusalem, the place where he will inevitably lay down his life for the life of the world. And as he traveled on throughout cities and villages, teaching and making his journey to Jerusalem, to his death, Someone said to him, Lord, is it the case that those being saved are few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not have the strength. From the time the master of the house rises and closes the door, you then begin to stand outside and to knock upon the door saying, Lord, open it for us. And in reply, he will say to you, I do not know you, where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank before you, and you taught in our streets. And speaking to you, he will proclaim 
I do not know where you come from. Stand away from me, all workers of injustice. There will be weeping and the grinding or gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Israel and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but yourselves driven outside. And they will come from east and west, from north and south, and will recline at table in the kingdom of God. And look, there are those who are last who will be first, and there are those who are first, who will be last. So the reason why some consider this a hard saying of Jesus is because it seems as if Jesus is saying, it's worse than you think. Barely anyone is going to make it. Only a few will be saved. But the difficulty here lies in how we understand what Jesus is actually saying here. So what is Jesus actually saying here? This is one of a small collection of Jesus' sayings related to the narrow way. In other gospel passages, Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it, Matthew 7, verses 13 through 14. Later on in Matthew 19, verses 24 through 26, Jesus says, And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then is being saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And then a little later in Matthew 20, verse 16, Jesus says, So the last will be first and the first last, for many are called, but few are chosen. You see, these sayings, along with many more, as well as what Jesus is saying here in Luke 13, They're troubling because we tend to think of the kingdom of God in the abstract, as if the kingdom of God is out there, or as if the kingdom of God is a matter of ultimate destination after death. And when we think of the kingdom of God exclusively in these ways, then the question about how many will be saved in the future sends us to the question of ultimate and final salvation. Interestingly, Jesus refuses to answer this question directly. Did you notice that? Commenting on Jesus' response, biblical scholar and Anglican bishop N.T. Wright, a.k.a. Tom, writes, Jesus will not give statistics. Jesus will not give figures to satisfy mere human inquisitiveness. What he gives is a stern warning, not least because in the setting of his journey to Jerusalem, to his death, being saved is not simply a matter of ultimate destination after death, but the more immediate, the more pressing question of the crisis that hangs over the whole people of God, there and then. So what is Jesus actually saying? At the heart of these sayings, Jesus is clearly describing the way, 
the way into the kingdom of God is difficult, and very few will find it. In Luke 13, Jesus is speaking of the way in the present tense. This is very important, and it ought to shape our understanding about what Jesus is actually saying in this passage. The actual Greek word for saved is sozomenoi. It is a present participle, which means being saved. Let's all say that together. Being saved. Some translations translate this verb as if it is in the future tense. For example, there are versions that translate the question in Luke 13.23 as, Lord, will only a few be saved? Or, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And so on. In all of these versions, a future tense is being used, suggesting that salvation is a one-time future event and that a person either will be saved or will not be saved then. The problem with these translations is that they are at times inaccurate and they can be misleading, even if the translation is more accessible and more readable. Now, just FYI, I'm not saying throw away your Bible. I'm not saying go buy a new one. Nor am I saying everyone needs to become an expert in biblical languages. I mean, that would be great. But I am saying it's important to dig deeper, to read multiple translations, and learn more about the differences between them. And honestly, if you're interested in these things, then I strongly encourage you to talk to Dr. Jason Myers. Raise your hand, Jason. And Dr. Andrew Talbert, raise your hand. These are two biblical scholars who attend Church of the Redeemer and are a gift to our church when it comes to conversations like this, the science of reading Scripture. So a more literal, and I would argue a better translation is this. Lord, someone asked him, are there few being saved? And Jesus said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Now, you might be thinking, but what about the whole parable? What about all the weeping and the gnashing of teeth? Well, it is a parable. And the parable is Jesus' way of alluding to a forthcoming crisis that would, was, and did come to pass. A crisis of crises between Israel, the people of God, and the nations, and in particular, one nation, Rome. And actually, Jesus is alluding to something that, is, that takes up a substantial, like a great amount of the background context of Luke's Gospels, of all the Gospels, and much of the context behind many of the epistles in the New Testament. You remember that Jared and Dan, when they were preaching on Revelation, they were, they were talking about a lot of the political and the socioeconomic issues that were going on with the people of God. And this is, this is forthcoming, but it's also occurring and emerging here in the background. And it clues us into a little bit about what Jesus is dealing with. In other words, Jesus is not alluding to a future heaven or a future hell but to a crisis that is and is about to come. And so Jesus is holding open the gate of the kingdom for his people to enter. It is not easy to enter this gate, Jesus says. It requires commitment, 
total commitment to get in, and the gate will not always be open. Jesus is giving his people that chance here and now. And if they refuse, they will be rejected later. And the people from the east and the west, the north and the south, the Gentiles, the nations who will come to feast, they are a reference to those who will actually enter the kingdom ahead of those who presumed they were entitled. It means that some who are first will be last, and the last first. Again, the Greek word that Jesus uses here is sozomenoi. It is a present participle. Any English majors in the room? Raise your hand. All right. A present participle indicates continuous action, correct? English majors, yes? Okay, I see a few heads. Okay, there we go. My son says yes. (laughs) These present participles that are continuous, they all end in I-N-G. So like in church today, you're singing, we are singing, we are sitting, hopefully you're listening, unless you don't like the sermon and you think they've been too long, then you get up and leave, and that's called leaving. <laughs> right? A few other examples of present participles are betting, right, Alan? <laughs> Gambling. Losing, right, Alan? <laughs> or paying, right, Alan? <laughs> I digress, forgive me. So a more literal translation is, Lord, are there few being saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. So the disciples are wondering about their present time. Is anyone being saved now? What about now, Jesus? And Jesus is clearly describing what is required when it comes to being saved. For Jesus, being saved is to strive to enter in through the narrow door to make every commitment to the way that is the kingdom of God. And what he says is difficult, and very few will find it. In other words, Jesus is not foreshadowing about the kingdom of God out there as if it is a reward for a life that meets the moral and religious requirements, an entitled benefit that we obtain for living a well-lived life or a good life, or just one more thing that we get into in which simply being there as a reward is the point. I mean, if this were the case, then the gospel becomes rather pathetic. And the God behind it is extremely alarming. God is not on the hunt for a few good people who will exact his demands. What Jesus is saying here is that the way into the kingdom of God that is now is difficult. Jesus is saying here, That the way into the kingdom of God that is now is difficult. The path narrow because the way itself is actually difficult. And the path actually narrow. Father Stephen Freeman, he's an Orthodox priest and biblical scholar. He writes, these things are not true because God wants it to be hard for us to enter into the kingdom They are hard on account of the nature of the spiritual disease that afflicts all of us. No one is surprised to be told that the path to the remission of their cancer will be difficult. Generally, we are simply glad to hear that there is any path at all. 
nor do we blame the doctor for the difficulty of our treatment. The spiritual disease, sin that afflicts us, strikes at the very fiber of our humanity, the very mode of our being. And St. Paul describes sin as corruption, a word that essentially means rot. It is what happens when the process of death works in us unchecked. Death corrupts us, body, soul, spirit. And the teaching of the New Testament and the teaching of Jesus here in Luke 13 is not about how to be admitted to the kingdom of God, as if the kingdom of God is a final destination after death. It is about how to become the kind of human who can actually live in the kingdom of God, to live in the way that is the kingdom of God. It's about kingdom living in the here and the now. This way is not a moral or a religious achievement. It is a changing of our whole being, our lives being transformed, our lives being saved. What Jesus is saying in Luke 13 is that the way into the kingdom of God is the way of life, a life of change and healing, a living way, or as some have said, walking the way, being transformed from glory to glory into the image of Jesus Christ. That is the narrow way. The borders of the road are marked with radical honesty and a willingness to endure and engage whatever is required for the transformation. We move from the fragmentation of our individual life towards the integration and wholeness of life in Christ. In Christ. Characterized by the fullness of self-emptying love. This way of life is the narrow path. Not simply a profession of faith or our association with Jesus but the way of life that is Jesus, the Jesus way. It is the Sermon on the Mount lived out in the flesh, here and now, in the present, as Jesus presents it. It is to love your enemies. It is to do good to those who hate you. It is to bless those who curse you. It is to pray for those who mistreat you. And if someone slaps you on one cheek, it is to turn to them the other also. And if someone takes your coat, it is to not withhold your shirt from them. It is to give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, it is to not demand it back. In everything, it is to do to others as you would have them do to you. It is to pay your debts. <laughs> Jesus says, not only does this sum up the law and the prophets, but in doing these things, you will enter through the narrow gate and onto the narrow road that leads to life. It is the way of life. Because it is the way of Jesus who said, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. I came so that they would have life and have it abundantly. John 10, verse 9. 
So what we discover in this passage is what Jesus has been and will continue to say about this way of life. Jesus defines the narrow road in context as following him in the way of love, in the way of self-denial, in the way of self-giving, in the way of other-welcoming, in the way of radical forgiveness. It is the way of death, death to oneself. And very few opt for this door. According to Jesus, this includes many believers because we just don't want to hear Jesus' hard words. And a lot of times, if I'm honest, I and maybe we don't want to put them into practice. But the way of Jesus is the only way. The way of Jesus is the only way to experience the life and peace of God's kingdom. Those who reject the way into the kingdom within their actual lives reject Jesus. God in flesh. And they end up reaping the destructive consequences of going their own way and following the wide path that leads to a different death marked by unforgiveness, retaliation, and often violence. But Christ is clear. Christ is quite clear about the narrow path. There are few who find it. You see, the conversion of Christianity from the narrow path to worldwide religion is the elevation of the wide road. It's the wide road of destruction that leads to a place of false salvation. Whether it is a governing authority or a political ideology, a church growth strategy, a current trend or a prominent figure or force, Christians have always been tempted to lift up our hearts to these objects of desire and their accompanying ideas, ideals, and values. The Christianity of ideas and arguments, the Christianity of entertainment as worship, the Christianity of moral achievement as the higher way, it's the path found by so many. But it is an adaptation. It is a misuse of certain ideas associated with Jesus Christ. It was not created by saints nor built on the blood of the martyrs. And it will run continually until its cultural usefulness has run its course. It will serve as an inoculation for many, making them immune to the genuine grace of the narrow way. And they will want nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Nothing to do with Christianity. Yet Christ is clear. We are to strive. And this word actually means to agonize. We are to agonize with the one who epitomizes agony. And with him and in him to enter in through the narrow door that is him. Jesus Christ. This is the way into the kingdom of God. This is the way into the life of grace. And at times it may be painful. At times it may take us down the difficult path. But it is the life of Christ. A life of being saved and transformed from glory to glory into the image of Christ who is the door, who is the way, who is the narrow way. So 
Is it true that only a few are being saved? It's an interesting question that Jesus seemingly sidesteps in his response. And I think in light of what he actually says to this question, Jesus actually puts forth a series of questions that I think that we ought to pay close attention to. Is it true that only a few will live a life of self-emptying love? Is it true that only a few will endure the humiliation of honesty? Is it true that only a few will face the despair of hell on earth and give thanks? Is it true that only a few will forgive everyone for everything? Jesus said that with men this is impossible. The very few who walk this path are living proof of the existence of God. For with God, this path is possible, and there is hope. We call these few the communion of saints, which we confess and are in part. They are signposts and an assurance that our own struggles are never wasted. Their lives remind us that the narrow path It is not a delusion, but an awakening. It is an invitation. Sisters and brothers, may we take seriously the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and strive to enter at the narrow door.